0: This week at Portland General Baptist. You know, as we grow, the only way a child can learn to read is by reading. The only way a child can learn to walk is by walking. The only way we can learn to pray is by praying. And the only way I believe we can really learn to encourage people as a lifestyle of encouragement is by encouraging. It takes effort. You have to learn that.
1: It is very easy to get discouraged. You may be struggling with sin, pain, or sorrow, and it seems like there's no way out. Considering how much more time lately people have spent indoors, it's no surprise we are facing an epidemic of discouragement. This week, Brother Larry Treadway begins a new sermon series entitled, Encouragement for the Journey.
0: Okay, we're back again. Uh... You know, even though we're not able to meet together as we were, uh, God has really blessed us. He's given us an opportunity to reach out in three areas. We, today's service will be on uh, our Facebook account, it'll be on our website, it'll be on YouTube. So we have three opportunities to reach people in ministry that we didn't have before. But we do kind of miss coming together, as Hebrews says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. We're assembling together, but not together. Is that a way to say that? We are assembling together, but not together. So if you wouldn't mind, we're going to preach today out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can open to that, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, your iPad, your computer, your phone, whatever you pull up God's word on. We're going to st- I'm starting a new sermon today, a series of five messages on encouragement, the journey our encouragement for the journey. This is the first one, a little bit longer introduction today because I want to set the the tone of where we're going. And a few years ago, uh, I, I just thought it was a few years ago, and I checked it back, it was all the way back to 1965. 1965, there, I was a teenager, and there was a song that came out entitled What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. It's the only thing that there's not, that there's just too little of. It was a a very unusual time. There was racial unrest everywhere. Uh, Vietnam War was very unpopular with many people. There was riots on the streets. A lot of young people were protesting the establishment of the older crowd. And uh, it was just a, a time of unrest, of being unsettled. We're in that today. With the COVID-19, we're in a time of unrest and unsettled, and if there's ever a time in the history of humanity today, we need love. And just to show you where we're going, I mean, I think about examples of love. Uh, When a baby is born, the first thing they generally do in the hospital, they bring that young baby, place it on the chest of the mom so that there can be a bonding, a connection of love. As a child gets older, if the, if the child's not been abused in some way, they want a hug from their parents, from other people. It's their way of feeling love. And then as we get older, we follow the scripture of being two united together in the partnership of marriage. And again, it's because of love. Now, the best example of love I know of is God. Uh, it's First John chapter 4 verse 16. It says, "God is love. Uh, and then it's, it's his nature. It's his nature to love. We like to think of God being a, a killjoy, putting stops on things we, enjo- we enjoy doing or, or coming out in judgment and wrath and putting his foot on us and holding us down and making us behave. That's not God's nature. God's nature is love. What he does, he does out of love. He always has from the very beginning of time and he always will to the very end of time. So the best example of love is God himself. The best demonstration of love is through God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He demonstrated his love by coming to this world, by dying for our sins, for paying the penalty of sin, and he chose to do that because of love and then we get on down and we can see how we need to share that love uh first john chapter 4 verse 11 says beloved if god so loved us we ought also to love one another a choice that we make god chose to love us Now we choose to love others with that same type of love as well. Now let me define encouragement since we're going to be talking about encouragement. And this is a a definition I want to hold true to for the next five weeks. It says encouragement is an effort of extending hope, giving determination, and confidence through love. Let me give you that one more time so you'll understand it. It's an effort of extending hope, giving determination, and confidence through love. We choose to offer encouragement through love. Is is encouragement needed in in the world today? Absolutely. Is encouragement needed in our local church? Sure is. Is encouragement needed in our individual life? Always has been. Always will be. Now, in sports, I want to focus a little bit on sports i'm really only a fan of two sports football and basketball i I really don't i can tolerate baseball i do not like soccer I, i care nothing about hockey there's a lot of things i don't like but i like football and i like basketball there's two terms that they give out a lot in those two sports for football they call it the home field advantage in basketball they call it the home court advantage Why is there an advantage there? Somebody says, well, it's because they're familiar with their surroundings. They know what the football field is like. They know what the basketball court is like. They're familiar with it. It gives them an advantage. Someone else says, well, it's comfortable. They're comfortable in their home environment more than they are on an away environment. So it's a comfort thing. But I believe it has more to do with something else. It has to do with the fans. You see, in football, they call it the 12th man. There's 11 people on your team on the field, but there's a 12th person, the people in the stands that are cheering the team on. In basketball, they call them the sixth man. Five people on the court playing for your team, they call you the sixth man when you're in the, in the stands cheering on your team. It tends to pump up the team. It's kind of like it extends even into church. Uh, When we come into church and there's encouragement or they've been encouraging with each other, it's kind of like pumping us up. It's kind of like cheering us on to victory, cheering us on to uh, the admonition of the Lord and serving the Lord. And, And I don't know if you've ever been here. I've been here where I walk in so pumped up and excited about God and ready to worship God. And somebody offers me a word of criticism. Suddenly the fire that's been burning, that, boy, I'm ready to go, suddenly somebody just put a bucket of water on my fire. And it takes away from the excitement. I sink low. And, 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 and that's what the COVID-19 has done to our world right now. It's sucked the joy right out of people because of what's going on. You see in the 60s, when that song I talked about, about needing love was taking place, there were so many cultural and society problems. Today, it's health and financial problems that's bringing on everything. It's still there and we need that kind of encouragement to add fuel to our lives where discouragement will kind of extinguish that fire. Uh, Years ago, um, I hadn't been pastoring very long, but I'd started going to a minister's conference with my pastor, Brother Hall, and others every year. I decided I would go and I'd take a a minister from our church he had never been to anything like this any kind of a meeting i thought i would invite to him to go with us and went down there and the, the pastor that was up giving the talk that day he was talking about the encouragement we get from our people and he said it's kind of like people standing up as you take the stand of the pulpit and get ready to preach and they yell out hit a home run pastor and uh it excited him. I didn't know it excited him that much but that next Sunday morning I got up in the pulpit to preach and I said everybody open your Bible to a certain passage and right on the left side of the sanctuary he stands up and to the top of his lung he always, hit a home run pastor. Well everybody's attention focused on him. I, it took me by surprise and suddenly a smile came on my face because I remember what was told and it excited me and I felt like I hit a home run that day just because somebody stood up and said hit a home run pastor they encouraged me and you know encouragement doesn't come naturally we just don't pump each other up and say nice things and do nice things we have to learn to do it you know as we grow the only way a child can learn to read is by reading the only way a child can learn to walk is by walking the only way we can learn to pray is is by praying, and the only way I believe we can really learn to encourage people as a lifestyle of encouragement is by encouraging. It takes effort. You have to learn that, and we're going to see that today in this passage out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. There's four points of interest here I want you to think about. Number one, think about the need for encouragement. already discussed a little bit of that. Number two, think about God as the author of encouragement. And number three, think about God has encouraged us so that we can encourage other. And then fourthly, we want to look at opportunities for encouragement. So again, I haven't prayed yet. So if you would, just tolerate me just a little bit as I pray and ask God's blessing, okay? Our Heavenly Father, I bow my head in prayer, knowing I have to have you, I have to have your Holy Spirit, I have to have your wisdom. So Lord, open our eyes to see what you're going to show us today, and open our heart to receive, but most of all, Lord, let us receive that we might apply it to our heart today, out of your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Okay, out of 2 Corinthians, beginning in chapter 1, of, or verse 1 of chapter 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, and to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints that are in all of Achaia. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulations, that we might be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So, as we read this, go to verse 2. Look at the need for encouragement. Paul is giving a salutation here to the church. He's writing them this letter and he's extended to them two words. Now, note those two words he's extending grace and he's extending peace. That gives us a reason for encouragement. First of all, grace. Grace has been defined in many ways. Well, I've been in church about all my life, and I've heard grace explained so many ways. One said it's God's riches at Christ's expense, being an acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. I like that about saving grace, but there's more to God's grace than just saving grace. So I thought about what other people say. Grace is God's unmerited or undeserved favor or blessing. I like that. I think that's good. Nothing God gives me in this life do I deserve. But he shows it in terms in chapter verse 2 with two words, mercy and grace. And when I think about mercy, I understand that mercy is not giving us what we deserve. Folks, I deserve hell. I'm a sinner. And the payment for sin is eternity or eternal death and hell. That's what I deserve. But because of God's mercy... I didn't receive hell. I'm not there today. I'm not even going there when this life is over. Why? Because God gave me mercy. But then comes the word grace. Grace is extending to us what we do not deserve. I deserve hell. But I'm not going there because he's given me heaven. He's given me eternal life. He's given me the great and wonderful blessings of God's word. He gave me all of this that I did not deserve. So I deserved hell. He extended mercy. I'm not going there. He gave me grace. I'm going to heaven. I don't deserve that. That's God's grace. And he's talking here about grace. And then he explains peace, that second word of encouragement. Now that's been defined in a lot of ways too. Some people say, well, grace is the absence of war. When a country is not at war, they're said to be at peace. Uh, when two people are not complaining, fussing, and fighting, they're said to be at peace. But another definition for peace is being untroubled or content. It's a good definition, but I like this better. Being shown in what God offers us. A settled mind and a settled heart. You see, that's peace. When you have a settled mind and a settled peace, no matter what kind of hell comes your way, no matter what the circumstances, no matter if there's COVID-19 all in this world, no matter what's going on around us, we still have a settled mind and a settled heart. And that's the peace that God gives us that passes all understanding that people that do not have that peace cannot understand but that's the peace. So here it gives two ways. If we, in every day, if we extended grace and peace to people, we're extending mercy. There's a need of that in our life. Next, I want you to go down to one more verse, to verse three, and look at God as the author of our encouragement. In verse 3, he says, he's, now notice this, this is a name of God. There's a lot of names for God. You can look through the Bible, there's El Shaddai, and there's Jehovah, and, and all the names for God, and they're all wonderful, and they all have meaning, but here's one with an entirely different meaning for today. The God of all, A-L-L, the God of all comfort, which I like to say is encouragement. When you are offered comfort, you are offered encouragement. So he is the author of encouragement. His very name, the God of all comfort, extends that understanding. But also his description is the God of all comfort because in your life, over and over and over again, he keeps giving you many acts of kindness and many acts of other blessings that he sends our way. Now, if you're a believer in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, one God manifested or shown in three forms, we see that same encouragement in each one. For God the Father it says he's a God of all comfort, the God of all encouragement. For God the Son, 2 Thessalonians 2, 6 said, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, has loved us, and he's given us an everlasting consolation consolation, and a good hope through grace. In other words, he's saying Jesus Christ has given us an everlasting consolation, an everlasting encouragement, and good hope through grace. Christ is providing that everlasting encouragement that comes through the hope and grace that extends to us even though we do not deserve it. Then we go to the third manifestation of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. And we see in John 14, 26 that he is the comforter, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You see, the Holy Spirit, his very name is comforter, which means encourager. His very name, he is referred to in scripture also, is helper, which means encourager. His Greek word is paraclete, which means one who comes along beside another to encourage that's the holy spirit so the ultimate picture of encouragement is god god the father he's a god of all comfort god the son jesus christ he is the one that offers us everlasting consolation eternal life and blessing god the holy spirit which is the one who comes along beside us that's our helper that our comforter as we go along so god is the author of encouragement thirdly look at the next verse verse four God, who encouraged us, encouraged us so that we might encourage other. God has encouraged us so that we might encourage other. That verse says, who comforteth us in tribulation, that we might be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. So that shows right there, God has given us comfort. He's also given us something that we get comfort out of. This is the Bible. His book, the book that he wrote, the book that he's given us as encouragement for our life. He gives us this so that we can look in there and see his great and wonderful promises. We can see his direction to our life. That brings us comfort. That brings us encouragement. Romans 5 and 4 says it this way. Whatsoever things were written, the word, whatsoever things were written before time were written for our learning that we might through patient and comfort or encouragement through patient and encouragement of the scripture might have hope the bible is full of words of encouragement and hope and that brings us to the question if he's given us this book for our benefit for our comfort for our encouragement what do we do with it we use it to encourage someone else. You see, he's described in his book that we are ministers of reconciliation. Well, we are reconciled to Christ through and by our repentance. Through Christ to God. But we are ministers of reconciliation. We're offering that to everybody else. We're offering a peace, a connection as we go along in comfort. We are ministers of reconciliation. He says we're ambassadors. We, just as Christ represented God the Father in the flesh on this earth, we represent him now every day that we walk as the body of Christ. Just as Christ also was there when he said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, then he said, ye are the light. We let our light shine. So we are ministers of reconciliation, bringing people to God. We are ambassadors like Christ was. We are bringing people to show them God. We are also the light of the world that we might shine to those that need to see that encouraging light in our lives. All the way through, we share The encouragement God's given us to others. We encourage others with this same type of encouragement. It's what we call passing it on. We allow that encouragement to multiply. It's like a rippling effect of a pebble that goes across the water. Years ago, I was very, I think I was in junior high school when my dad pastored a church on the edge of Watts Bar Lake in Rockwood. And, and getting there early did a lot of things to occupy my time. One thing I would do, I'd go across the, the, the road to an area of a parking lot that was on the other side of the road that touched the lake. And I would pick up the rocks and I would throw them across the water. Well, when I first started, they just went in the water with a kaplunk. And then I would practice, and I'd get one skip, and then I would throw again, and I'd get two or three skips. And I got so good, I could find those little flat pebbles, and I could throw them across that water and just watch them skip. And every time they skipped, they made a round circle, and the next circle, and the next circle, and they connected. Now, when I first started, I couldn't do much more than just a kaplunk. When, I, when you first start encouraging people, it seems so difficult. It, it, it's like you're not doing much, but the more you practice it, the more you do it. It's like a ripple effect in people's lives. God encourages us. Then we encourage someone else. Then that someone else encourages someone else. And it keeps going and it builds as it goes on. That's the encouragement that God has given us. It's encouragement for the journey. Now, the fourth leg of the message didn't have anything to do with Scripture. I'm going to go away from these four verses and I'm going to put an application on them according to an opportunity to serve. Opportunities for encouragement. First of all, who? Who needs encouragement? Who do we encourage? The church family needs encouraging. We're not coming together right now. There's some people need food. We had a person in the parking lot Uh, talk to me as I come in church looking for food and I directed them to the food supply you know we're going right through one thing after another church family needs encouragement our relatives need encouragement my brother's calling me more since this occurred than he had in a year or two. Just check in to see how I'm doing. Encouraging. Your work associates, you're not along beside them every day. You're not working with them. They need that same encouragement. Your neighbors need encouraging. Uh, you know, just checking on them. Teachers and leaders need encouraging. Why? Uh, That goes over to shut-ins and sick folks and nursing homes. I know Tuesday night, Don and I are going up to a nursing home, and we're joining a prayer circle around the nursing home. It's an encouraging thing that we're going to be doing. And in tough times like these, we all have needs, and people need encouraging. The who that needs encouraging are people all around us. The what? There's a lot of ways to encourage each other. I'm not even probably going to touch the surface on ways that we could reach out and and encourage each other. But we can do it through calls. Every morning between 8.30 and 9.30, there's a man calls me to check on me. Every single morning except Sunday morning because he knows I'm busy, he will call and check and see how I'm doing. And none of that. When when Don and I first got married, as young married couple, going through troubles, married couple, young married couples has financially, and trying to deal with a relationship. And I had one gentleman. He was he was in his seventies. He used to come over and visit me, and he would encourage me every time he came. And then cards. We had one lady at Halltown Church where we served as youth ministers there that almost every week or two we would get a card of encouragement from her it kind of pumped us up and then i've got one gentleman in a nursing home he's in his mid-80s he can't hear a stick of dynamite go off but he'll call me and when i try to talk back to him he just takes the conversation and runs with it because he don't know what i'm saying but he'll call three four five times a day sometimes and Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know answer that phone. I just let it ring when I see it's him. And he'll always leave a voicemail. And that voicemail is the same every single time he leaves it. He said, just want not let you know, Brother Larry, I love you. Just want to let you know, Brother Larry, I'm praying for you. That, sometimes I get three and four of those from him on the phone every single day. So we can reach out through calls and visits and cards and through prayer. As he says, I'm praying for you. You know, we touch people with cards. They see that physically. We touch them by our calls when they can hear it with their natural ears. Uh, we touch them with our visit where they can see it. But we touch them also with our prayers even though they can't see us. It's a behind-the-scenes form of encouragement. Now, that's the what. But what about the how? When we encourage people, it needs to be deliberate. Not when they expect, just when they expect it. I know that Donna won't, she just won't let me buy her roses on Valentine's Day. Now, there's reasons behind that. Roses are about 50 bucks a dozen on Valentine's Day. And she said, that's a waste of money on that day. And secondly, she says, I don't want to get the gift when it's expected, I want to get it when it's not expected. People seem to appreciate that encouragement when they get it when they don't really expect it to come so it needs to be deliberate and it needs to be definite lay it out you know try to figure out what you can meet in that person's life and what you can do at this time to encourage that person make it definite and planned out and then thirdly make it direct know what to say and how to say it don't beat around the bush and try to be a hallmark card none of us are hallmark cards let's just be real and just tell them what we're thinking and how we want to encourage them you know years ago when i first started pastoring there was a little trouble in the church a little undercurrent that that was taking place and Uh, it, It absolutely deflated everything about me and everything about my family. and It was very discouraging. And there was a pastor. I mean, I was ready to give up. There was a pastor that I really didn't talk to that much. He was from another town, but he called me and he said, I heard you were going through some struggles. I just wanted to call you and pray for you. I thought, wow. God had to put that on his mind. And then another pastor showed up at my office and said, I don't know what you're going through, but for some reason I felt like I just needed to stop and pray for you. And I thought, wow, God put that together. An encouragement from two unlikely sources. And then a church member told me, he said, Larry, if you run from this, you'll be running all your life. And I thought, man, he was real. He was genuine. He spoke the truth to me. It didn't maybe sit well at the time, but it wound up being encouragement. And those People reaching out to you at a rough time in your life is a great avenue of encouragement. So think about that. Think about the opportunities that you have. God has encouraged us as Christians. He is the God of all encouragement. He's given us an opportunity to encourage others because they need encouragement. And we need to encourage them. And not only by encouraging them, we need to also urge them to encourage others because there's opportunities all around us to pass it on. So really, no altar call today at the end of the sermon. No invitation. I'm just asking you to do an application. Let the same God who encouraged you help you to encourage someone else. Whatever the means may be, make it deliberate, uh, make it definite, lay it out, make it very direct to the person. Don't just do an overall encouragement to everybody, make it directly to the one person that needs that encouragement at the time. If you will do that, God will use you and he'll use me as an arm to extend to other people who need encouragement. So that's the God of encouragement. Next week, we're we'll going to look at the Christ of encouragement and a specific thing that happened in his life that brought encouragement to him.
1: We hope you enjoyed, were enriched, encouraged, and edified by this sermon from Brother Larry Treadway. Join us next week as Brother Larry continues his series, Encouragement for the Journey. Many of his other teachings and sermons can be found in the Sermon Audio Archive on our website at www.portlandgbc.org. Again, that's www.portlandgbc.org. Most of these recordings can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. Each week, our Sunday school lessons and sermons are available on our YouTube channel as well. Just search for Portland General Baptist Church on your favorite platform. Until next time, stay safe and may God bless you.